I, uh, first of all, I want to say how proud I am of our men's pastor, Pastor Gabe Jenkins. I love this man. He is doing a great job leading our men's ministry. I love him. I mean this sincerely, and I, they know I don't say things unless I mean it, but Gabe is one of the best pastors on our staff. And he, he loves men. He, lo- he is, he is if, if I, my son is 18 years old, and Gabe's about to be his pastor, and I'm excited about that. That's a good thing, that he's going to speak into the life of my young man, and so I'm proud of that. So, Gabe, great job. Thank you so much. Tonight, uh, before I introduce our speaker, I want to encourage you about something. We are unashamedly, unapologetically a spirit-filled church. We are a worshiping congregation. We believe in the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit without any apologies. We don't have to apologize for that. That's who we are. Now, I want to challenge the men in this room to do something. I want you to lead the way at your home to bring your family to First Wednesday, next, next Wednesday, okay? And we're going to, we've run out of room. We've, this room was completely jammed and overflowing last month. But I want the men of our church to lead the way, not just to show up. I want you to lead the way in worship, leading your family in worship with the church in in that living room next Wednesday night. So I'm asking you to make it a priority on your calendar. Let me tell you something. My kids, I I don't talk to them and tell them before we come to church to worship. I don't have, we don't ever have that conversation. The way my kids learned to worship was by watching me worship. When they see me worshiping, Without any apologies, my kids worship. My kids caught worship more than they were taught worship. And then I do teach, and I do talk to them about it. But men, let me tell you something. If you want your young men and women, you want your kids, your grandkids, to love the presence of the Lord, we have to love the presence of the Lord as men. I love the presence of the Lord, and because I love the presence of the Lord, my kids love the presence of the Lord. And so there's a lot of other things that can take your schedules on a Wednesday night. But once a month on first Wednesday, I want you to come. I want you to clear your schedule. Bring your kids. Come down front. Lead the way. Lift your hands. Worship and invite the presence of the Lord into your family next Wednesday night. Will you do that with me? At least think about it with me. I promise you it'll change your family. It'll change your home when your home becomes a worshiping home. All right? That's enough for me to say about that. I want to introduce a very special man tonight. Many of you don't know this, but Pastor Larry Stocksdale, 33 years ago, was a pivotal person in starting New Life Church. Now, if you want to know the history of this place, the history of this place has his markings all over it. Uh, In the early days, when nobody knew anything about New Life Church, Larry Stocksdale believed in this place and invested money and time and leadership and mentoring in starting New Life Church 33 years ago. Ten years ago... In the darkest season of our church, and we were just, we were just reminiscing about this a moment ago, on the, on the day that a, a tragic shooting happened here on our campus, he had just preached three times at his own church, I think, in your own congregation in Baton Rouge at Bethany World Prayer Center, Bethany, and uh, he was sitting in a restaurant, heard the news, got on the first flight, and was here that night as an overseer of our church, and stood beside him. I showed him a photo in my office of me and him and Garvin McCarroll walking out to the end of our uh, parking lot on that, the day after the shooting where I had to go do a news conference in front of all those cameras. It was Garvin McCarroll and Larry Stockstill on either side of me, walking me up, praying over me as I went to address the media. 
This is a guy that has earned my respect and has earned my lifelong friendship. He is a man of this house, and I want you to stand on your feet and give honor right now to Pastor Larry Stockstill as he comes and preaches. Come on, Pastor Larry. Love you, brother. You're a blessing. Appreciate you. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Let's give Jesus all that glory. Come on, he's worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, brothers. You may be seated. Very glad to see everybody here. Looks like New Life is doing wonderful. And um, we're very excited to be here. I have our young adults pastor with me, John Torres. John, stand up. Let's give John a good hand clap. Good guy right there. And uh, looks like y'all were having a little sloppy Joe stuff or something going on in here. I don't know. What did y'all have to eat? What was it? I missed out on it. It really looked good, but I did see those Reese's cups in the middle, and I stayed away from them. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> hey, but really, really uh, fantastic to be with Gabe today. I love you, Gabe. You're doing a great job. And I wanted to just give a shout out to all of the fire team leaders that are here. And, you know, we got some guys that really, really are laying it all down for you on a weekly and a monthly basis. I'd like for them to stand. Would you fire team guys, if you're a leader, stand up. Let's... Oh, come on now. Let's really give them a great hand clap. And thank you, man. You may be seated. And, you know, I just challenge uh, all of you to really contemplate being a leader. You say, I don't know how to be a leader of a Bible study. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is just show up, be real, be genuine, love guys, and you can make a massive difference. And we need, you know, another 40, 60, 80, 100 guys that just really would step up and say that's what we want to do. So we honor the ones that are doing it. And uh, very, very excited about uh, what you're doing here tonight and, of course, Pastor Brady and what, what the Lord is doing at New Life. Uh, great things are going on uh, around the world. And about five years ago, I, I quasi-retired uh, from pastoring, senior pastoring, but I just shifted. And so uh, my son is now the pastor of Bethany, and I just travel. That's all I do. Uh, 113 flights last year. Somebody asked me, are you retired? I said, I got the tired part right. Uh, I don't know about the re part. But anyway, I'm just uh, basically spending the rest of my life fathering the new generation, helping them to come into ministry. And uh, in the process, I, I have a number of friends here in this church and uh, across the country. But uh, we love you guys. We're very, very excited about being with you and partnering together with you. I want to just read one verse of scripture as we go to the Lord in prayer I believe I have a word for you. I, I, I got up at 3 o'clock this morning to fly here. So all that, and I leave at 5.45 tomorrow morning. So I made a Herculean effort to get up here. I mean, a major effort. And I do maybe conferences in, around the world. And I, but the Lord, Brady called me, and I, and I said, yeah, I will do that. I want to do that. Because I love this church probably more than any other one, almost in the United States. And uh, so... Uh, I have this verse that I'd like to read to you from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. This is going to set the stage. This word, this word actually can change your whole life, everything. I think it can change your family, uh, our country. It, it can change the entire world. And this is the word you read in 1 Samuel 2.30, where, as you remember, Eli was the high priest. His sons were, were running around with women stealing offerings, all kinds of stuff going on in the temple, in the tabernacle, terrible stuff. Eli did not stop them. He let all that go on. 
And, and, and through the prophet, the Lord said to Eli, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, or the word really would be better to be said, trivialize. They trivialize. The, the Hebrew word is they're, they're light about it. They're very light about it. Those who treat me lightly will be lightly esteemed. Now, that was God who said that. Those who honor me, I will honor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for that word you gave in the, in the Old Testament. But tonight, it has amazing relevance for us. We bind the enemy that would try to distract or detract from this one singular word. Brand it on the heart of every man in this room. Brand it on his heart for his wife, his family, his children, his church, his neighbor, his city, his country. Brand it on our hearts tonight, Lord. We honor you. You alone are worthy. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, September... Last, last year, I, I was uh, in Destin, Florida on vacation, which is really my favorite place, only five hours away from us. My wife and I were in a condo, and I had traveled a lot. I think I preached 150 times that year. And so I was, I, I was really tired. I got in in the afternoon, and, and I went into the room to take a nap. How many of you believe in a sanctified nap? Do you believe in that? I mean, not now, not right now, but... And, and as I was, was sleeping, it started to rain. Now, I didn't even notice. I was out. I mean, out cold. And uh, when I got up, Melanie said, you won't believe the thunderstorm you slept through. Well, anyway, the next morning, we're sitting out on the deck of this condominium. We were down there. She said, I saw the most unbelievable thing I, I've seen in a long time during that storm yesterday. And she said, it was like hailing almost. It was lightning flickering and flashing, you know what that's like. And I mean, it was just wind swirling. And she said there, and right out in front, there was an American flag right out on the beach. And she said in the height of the storm, she said, I was standing behind the glass, just looking, thankful that I was not out in there. She said, a man walked out down the pier, down the steps to the beach, fighting that wind and howling wind. That flag was just flailing in the breeze. And he went under that flagpole and put his hand over his heart. Then he looked up at the flag in the, I mean, lightning, dangerous, dangerous environment. And he saluted the flag. And then he pulled that pole down and he unclipped the flag and he carefully folded it right out in the storm, put it under his arm. And he walked back in the building. And I'm sure he put it in a very careful place that he always keeps it. The moment Melanie told me that, I said, that's a veteran, I guarantee you. I've met that man, by the way, his name is James. He is a veteran. I've told him that I've been preaching about him in various places. He just looks at me kind of funny. Melanie went back inside, and as I sat there for just a couple of minutes, I was pretty stunned by what she said. She said, I've never seen anything like it. The Lord said, I want to teach you about honor. Just, it, Brady, it was not a three minutes. He showed me things that I'm going I'm to communicate to you tonight. This is going to change your life, brothers. It, it's been months, and my, I'm still under the imprint 
of those three minutes. And God spoke to me. He said, in heaven, honor is like gravity. You know, uh, on earth, gravity is an invisible force. We, we don't know. We never see gravity. But you can be sure you're affected by it right now. It's holding this thing together. It's holding the piece of this room together. But if I switch gravity off, you would float up around this building. You'd start running into other guys. There'd be, there'd be chaotic uh, chaos here for just a few minutes until I could get the switch back on and then you'd fall hopefully back down in your chairs and order would be resumed by an invisible force. And the Lord said to me, just, just that quick, he said, have you noticed that in the book of Revelation, every song in Revelation uses the phrase honor and glory? He said, honor is the atmosphere of heaven. It is the gravity of heaven. It's the invisible force that holds it all together forever. And glory, by the way, is not given to man. It's only given to God. We never receive glory. But God gave us honor. Men are to receive honor because we're in the image of God. And that, that, just that three minutes the Lord said to me, let me, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Now, I'm going I'm to just touch these things. I'm not going to go in depth on them. But I'm going to show you. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to look on your phone, study anything on the internet, nothing. I want you to just, just focus right here. Because the very first thing he told me was that that veteran was looking past the cloth, past the flapping cloth in the breeze to the hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands of people that left our shores to defend our nation and they never came home. That's not a piece of cloth to him. That's those people. And that's the definition of honor. When you look past an object or a person to the thing that object represents or the office that person holds. When you look past what you see with your eyes to what position it represents. See, that's why he went out in that storm. Because that flag represented those people. In fact, before I go even one more minute into this message, I want to honor every man in this room who have served our country in the armed forces currently or in your past, would you stand up with me? We want to honor you right now. If you've served in our military. Come on, man. I want you to really give it up for these guys. Thank you, brothers. You may be seated. Now, here's what he said to me sitting out on that little deck of the condo. God just spoke these to me. In three minutes, it was over. He said, number one, I want you to honor me. Honor me. And I thought to myself, well, of course, Lord, of course I honor you. I mean, and he says, yeah, but, but the problem is that people don't know that that's how they have a relationship with me. Because he said, really, all relationships are based on honor. That's the switch of gravity. If you turn that switch off, you cannot have a relationship with somebody. It's impossible. And he said, you cannot have a relationship with me unless that switch is on. If you don't turn the switch 
of the spiritual gravity of heaven on, you will never, ever draw close to me, and I certainly will not draw close to you. And he gave me a verse for that, from Malachi chapter 1. You know, the book of Malachi was the last book of the Old Testament. It was written in a time when the Hebrew people were really kind of lackadaisical about their worship. I mean, they showed up at the temple, they offered sacrifices, but they were bringing these lame sheep and sheep that were diseased and all of that. And, and, and in Malachi 1, here's the verse he said, look at it, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, Where is my honor? Can you imagine the God that created one septillion stars? That's one with 24 zeros after it, Jethro Bodine. That's a lot. The God that that spoke those stars and calls them all by name, he knows them all, would say, hey, by the way, guys, Where's my honor? For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts. I'm no trivial king. I'm no little small man upstairs that's kind of aging and wheezing around. I'm a great king and my name will be feared among the nations. Now, if you don't know God and you're in this room, you say, you know, I don't know God. I don't know a lot about God. Well, I'm going to tell you where to start. You want a relationship with him? He said, I won't honor He will honor you. That's what he said. If you honor me, I will honor you. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. But if you trivialize him, if you trivialize number one worship. Now, I'm I'm not going to preach a long time on this because I got several other points. But I I pasteurized for 28 years, man. I I know people. And I would go to the lobby at the end of every service. And I saw people checking their children in for the children's church. At 12.25, we started at 11. The service was over. I walked to the back during the benediction, and they were checking their children in. Every week, the same people, they got out of bed, they kind of scratched their belly a few times, and they showed up for the benediction. Hello. And God said, that's not honor. You wouldn't do that for a doctor's appointment. You wouldn't do that for the governor. I met with him six years every Wednesday. I was there 45 minutes early, man, had all the books out in place. The Colorado governor showed up one week. Every week it was a new governor, a new national official. Hey, you don't come in late, 15 people are there. So I'm telling you, God says, if you want to know me, start with honor and just show up on Sundays. Pastor just said first Wednesdays, he says, I want you to, I want you to come. Well, you might say, well, that's a lot of church for one month, you know, I mean, I went last Wednesday night to hear that guy from Louisiana, but get out of that mindset. God said, I'm a great king. Yes, Lord. And then prayer. People are trivializing prayer. You know, praying. I I like to pray on the way to work. I don't mind that. Pray in the shower. I do all that. That's good. But the Lord told me, he says, you give me the first day of the week. That's That's the Lord's day. That's Sunday. You you give me that day, and then you give me the first moments of your day. I used to run to my phone, check the weather, check email, check text. I was emailing people all over the world on my search team first thing in the morning. And the Lord said, I don't want you to do that anymore. And certainly don't turn on CNN, constantly negative news. Please don't turn that on. He said, I want to be with you first. 
And I started praying, Lord, wake me up in the morning. He, he does. I don't set an alarm. He wakes me up. He wants to be with me. I want to be with him. I go in my backyard. That's where I pray. And I look up at the stars, those one with 24 zeros after it stars, and I say, how great thou art. I get on my knees on my pool deck, and I, for the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it's a great little, a little uh, pattern of prayer I use. But I honor him. I honor Jesus. I honor the Holy Spirit. See, really, if you want a relationship with God, guys, it's not rocket science. It's honor. And then tithing. You know, people say, well, you know, I, I heard one church is the home of the bargain tithe or something, 6% or something. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> See, that, that's what they were doing. They were bringing lame sheep and, you know, the last and what they had left over. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, if, we, if we got a sheep left, we'll bring it. We, you know, he only has two out of four paws, but we, we you know, at least, hey. But the Lord, that, that's not what the tithe is. Now, now hear me. I'm not preaching on trying to get you to give. This church is in great shape. Best it's ever been in the history of it. This is for you. Look at this verse from Proverbs 3 and verse 9. It says, honor the Lord. Now get the first word of that verse. Honor the Lord, guys, with your wealth. By the way, you have to have some wealth in order to honor the Lord. And, and that means you have a job. You have to have income to tithe. How many of you would rather have a job and tithe than not have a job and not have to tithe. Did you follow that? <laughs> Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, that's the tithe, of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Hello? And your vats will be bursting with wine. Your business, contacts, promotions, inheritances, stuff's going to come at you from every direction. God said, if you'll just honor me, he said, I don't need your money. Can you imagine a being that can create anything and everything just, just with his breath? And you think he needs your $200 a month? Really? Is it, is it important? No. He's looking at your heart. He says, does this guy honor me with his wealth? Can I trust him with millions John Rockefeller, the wealthiest man in the history of our country, his net worth today would be $600 billion. He tithed. He said, I became the richest man in the world, 10, 10, 80, tithing 10%, saving 10%, you need to do that too, and living on 80%. It's a principle. You know, my daddy taught me this. When I was a baby, he taught me to tithe because when he was a soldier, in World War II, he was lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Forgive these southern expressions, I'm sorry. But he was lost. They had to clean the wine stains off his teeth three times when he came back from North Africa. Daddy was just, he, he did get a, a, a silver star. He was a, a, a you know, great leader in there in North Africa. But one time a German plane was coming down a highway, strafing that highway. And they jumped off the road. And there was a little four-inch tree, and Daddy got behind that tree. That's not a lot of protection. He said, God, if you'll spare me, I'll tithe to the First Baptist Church, Picayune, Mississippi. That's the hub of the universe. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> and the bullets came flying by, and there were no holes in him. And he began sending his dollar a week to the Baptist Church there. When he came home from battle... He went over to that church to see what all that money he had sent had been building while he was gone. 
and he got saved. He got called to preach. He preached 67 years. That's why I'm standing in front of you tonight, because of a dad who learned to tithe. Come on, say amen. amen. I'm talking about honoring the Lord. Number two, just on that, on that little veranda, he said to me, I want you to honor those who hold official offices in America. Just, just, just like that. And he gave me this verse from 1 Peter. It says that you should honor everyone. I'm going to come to that in a minute. Love the brotherhood. That's here. That's what I love about men's meetings. It's the brotherhood. It's the brotherhood. That's why we need small groups. That's why we need fire teams. That's why, that's why you should every week be meeting with the brotherhood. This is the brotherhood. Fear God. And the last one was the one I couldn't believe. Honor the emperor. Do you have any idea who the emperor was when Peter wrote 1 Peter in AD 64? It was Nero, the first emperor to persecute Christians. First Roman emperor. Nutty as a fruitcake. He burned Rome and then blamed Christians and covered them in pitch. You can read it online. He covered them in pitch. Attached them to sticks and put them up in his gardens and set them on fire and rode in his chariot through the gardens with burning Christians overhead. That was who Peter said to honor. You don't have a politician in Colorado Springs as bad as Nero, trust me. But the principle, remember the principle of the soldier on the beach. He looked past the object to who it represents. If, if you really want to understand honor, you cannot look at the individual themselves. You look past them to the office that they represent. Now, I'm, I'm no fan of Washington. I'm really not. In fact, I, I really sometimes wish the Lord would just turn the nation up on its end and everything in Washington just slide off into the ocean, you know, or something like that. But, but I, that day, the Lord showed me, said, that's not how I want you to think about those in office. When a judge enters the courtroom, they say, rise when that your honor has entered the room. That comes from our Puritan roots. They, they honored those who were in elected offices or appointed offices. They were officials. That does not mean, of course, that you always have to submit to them. You can appeal to them. But there's a certain respect that has to happen. I believe police officers are, are, are messengers of the king to maintain order. That's what they are. Romans 13, we should show honor to whom honor is due. And that's what Paul talked about. But so much is going on in our nation right now. It's crazy that, that policemen are being murdered and killed for nothing. And I'm going to get to the other side of that equation at the end. But remember... Anyone, and I, you may be a Republican, Democrat, it really absolutely doesn't mean anything. If your person got in the White House or didn't, hello, it, that, that doesn't matter. When they're the president, we honor them. We pray for them. Peter, Paul said, pray for kings and those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. I'm praying for Donald Trump right now. He is our president. We are praying you know, we got five major enemies in this world that would wipe us off the map in one second if they could. I'm praying for him to have wisdom, and maybe not necessarily he was not your choice or whoever. I don't know. But I know now, I prayed for Barack Obama. I prayed for him on my knees every day. And, and, and you and I have got to change our nation with honor. And I'm actually praying for him to understand this message that I'm speaking to you tonight, because I think he needs to understand that.
If you know him and you can get me 15 minutes with him, I'll give it to him. Because he needs to understand that. But at the same time, I do not look to his failures or his party or anything. When they go into the office, I honor them. My son is my pastor. He's 36 years old. I whipped his behind at least 200 times in his life. (laughs) And I laid hands on him and set him in as pastor. But then now he's my pastor. That's right. You say, well, how can he be that? He's he's 30 years younger than you. That's nothing to do with it. I look past the person to the position they hold, which brings me to number three. The Lord said, I want you to honor those who lead the church. You see, pastors are sometimes not perfect. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but occasionally they're not perfect. In fact, occasionally they don't preach all that good on Sunday. I I preached 5,000 times at Bethany, and and I I hit some home runs. And I, and I hit a few bunts too, and, and I struck out a few times. So if you're looking for a perfect pastor or a perfect church, it ceased to be perfect the moment you walked in the door. Did you know that? <laughs> so, so it's not about how, how good the brothers on staff here do and all that. It's the office. And here's a verse for that. Here's 1 Timothy chapter 5. It says, it, it says let the elders, and by the way, you have elders in this church a great group of elders. I know them personally, most of them from years of experience. Let the elders who rule well. Now, please notice that, you know, they have to rule themselves well. They can't be in sin, run around, fooling around. They rule their family well. Paul even said, if you don't rule your family well, you can't rule the house of God. Let those who rule well be considered worthy of, what's the next two words? Double honor. The only place in the Bible it mentions double honor. And it was of a leader in the house of God. You said, well, I don't, I don't like that sermon you preached last week. That's good. No problem. But look past the person to the position, even if they're a missionary. And I've honored a lot of missionaries that have come in from, I mean, Moose's armpit, Manitoba, man. We, we've sent them out all over the world. And they come in in their old beat up cars. Lady pulled up in my yard one time. Old car, 150,000 miles. I looked in the window. She had her five kids, she and her husband. They're from Mexico. And it light on the dashboard said, service engine soon. I thought, boy, that's an understatement right there, man, this old thing. And they were going all over the nation in it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to buy them a new car. So that was a Wednesday night. I let them testify for a minute. I said, so if any of you want to bless them, and I didn't even ask for an offering. Brady people started walking up and putting money on the stage. I'm like, wow. They counted it. It was $40,000 on a Wednesday night. We sent them across the street to the Grave Chevrolet Company, and they got a brand new Suburban. I mean, it had a vacuum cleaner in the back of it, dude. <laughs> Pinstripes down the side. Five kids in the back. And those two Mexican missionaries drove up the front of our church. I looked down at them. And they were grinning until their face hurt. And I saw them drive out on Plank Road and head off. I've known them for years. They live sacrificial lives. We honor, honor those who lead the church. Right after I saw this revelation, I was in Seattle preaching for a Russian church. 
And this church has grown to 2,500 in five years. It's exploding. The pastor was in persecution in Russia. He was in jail. And they brought him into America as the pastor. And, and, and that day, I, I was the speaker for some reason. And the Russians are sort of contemplative. They don't listen very, I mean, they listen very intently. They don't react too much. So I'm preaching to them. And suddenly the Lord said, I want you to honor their pastor. So I brought him up on the stage. I said, as he was coming, I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? He said, I want you to shine his shoes. So I got on my knees and I got my handkerchief out and I just started shining his shoes. And I told his people, we honor your pastor. You know, they jumped to their feet and as only Russians can do, they began to clap like they do. And after five minutes, I finally had to sit them down. Something broke and it... It was like a completely different church from one minute to the next because of a handkerchief. You honor people that are servants of the Lord. God will bless you. Number four, Lord said to me, I want you to honor your wife. And you know, there's another verse. I'm just giving you verses. See, he just brought me these real quick. First Peter 3, the first seven verses, this is verse seven, but the first six are to women. So I don't have any women in here. I'm not going to deal with them. Six verses were to women, one to men. I like that. I like that equation right there. <laughs> but the seventh verse, it tells the women to respect their husband. If you're having marriage problems, we can counsel you if you need it. No problem. You really probably don't need counseling. Your problem is the switch is off. There's no amount of marriage counseling that can put you together if you do not have that switch on. So it starts with the woman. Even if he's not saved, it says, the woman should respect her husband like Abraham did. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, I'm not telling you your wife has to call you Lord. Please don't go home from here and tell her that's what she needs to do. But look at your verse. Let's, she's not here. Look at your verse. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing Help me with that next word. Honor. Honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. That thought was challenged when I was in Kazakhstan several years ago. I was watching TV and I saw a woman deadlift 450 pounds and put it down. That is not a weaker vessel right there. <laughs> How many of you men are glad you're married to a weaker vessel, aren't you? Mine is. She, she's a lot weaker. Since they are... Look, at, it, it's not that she's a weaker vessel. It's that she is an heir with you of the grace of life. You look past your wife to the position she holds. That's what honor is all about. And if you need a little more motivation so that your prayers will not be hindered. You can fast. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can lift your hands and sing. But your business will not be blessed. It's like the cord unplugged from the wall unless you honor your wife. So I said, I get it, Lord. I get it. I, Brady, I changed. And I've loved, we've been married 40 years last year, 40 years, wonderful years. But he said, I want you to treat her like the queen of England. You know, she has not had a driver's license in 65 years. She has not, she's she chauffeured everywhere she goes. She has not opened a door in 65 years. Grown men break their neck to get the door open in front of the queen, Queen Elizabeth. And what really touched me is that when she was queen 65 years, 
A thousand ships sail past her throne on the bank of the River Thames. They put her little throne there. And a thousand ships sailed in her honor with her sailors in their dress white, saluting a little woman on a chair. What's that all about? You're looking past the person to the position that she occupies. So I said, Lord, I will honor Melanie like that. So when I walk with Melanie, I walk with her, guys. I'm her escort. I don't walk 10 feet in front of her waving to all the adoring masses everywhere (laughs) while she walks behind me like that. I walk with her. When I come to a door, I open the door for her and I let her go through. I watch men all the time. They open the door, just let the door slam on their wife as they go through. And then when, when, when we get to the car, I, I walk around to her side of the car, just like they do with Queen Elizabeth. I open the door for her, and I help her in, and I start the car. I've been watching men. You know what we do? We go get in the car. If our wife won't come with us, we blow the horn until she comes out. <laughs> or we walk with her. I change that. See, she doesn't know you're hearing this now. So when you go home, and you've got a whole new game plan. You're going to open doors for her. You, you're gonna, you're gonna, when you go to the car next time, Walk around to her side. You don't even tell her what you're going to do. Walk around to her side. Open the door. And when you pick her up off the parking lot, because she fainted, help her in the car, straighten your little jacket or whatever, and drive off. In fact, now when I get up in the morning, Melanie walks in the kitchen, I stand up. Y'all are not going to like me after this message at all. I don't care if she just got out of bed and looks like an astronaut. I'm looking past the person. Can I tell you, my marriage has gone to heights I'm scared to even talk about. It's amazing. It's, you want to fix your marriage? Turn the switch on. And, of course, these are trickle-downs. Starts with God and moves to civil government. Moves to the church, moves to your wife. It also moves to your parents. Now, I don't know if your parents are alive. My mother died eight years ago. I moved my dad in with me, a little apartment in my house, seven feet off my kitchen. And every day I went in there, we solved all the world's problems together. I love daddy. He's 67 years in ministry, just amazing. And he went to heaven last February. Seven years I took care of him. And you know, Papa was such a blessing. A lot of churches have come out of Papa's ministry. But it was an honor to serve him. In his last eight months, I bathed him, shaved him, dressed him. He's on oxygen. But we had him at our home, and it worked out great, even until he went to be with the Lord practically. And often after bathing him, he would, he would pull me down to his bed and look me in the face. He would say, you're too busy for what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You cannot take care of me. Don't do this. And he would try to talk me out of it. And I'd say, Papa, you gave me life. You gave me affirmation. You put me in the ministry. It's my honor. And he would say to me, I'm 63. He'd say, Larry boy. You're a good son. I'm basing that on Ephesians chapter 6. It says, honor your father 
and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. Stuff will work out for you and you will live long in the land. Daddy was the, the seventh child of nine. Interesting thing, almost all of them died in their 50s. Daddy has outlived them all, 97. And I retraced the steps, and I remember time, Brady, as a young boy, 10 years old, he picked me up from school. He borrowed $1,000 from the bank in 1963. That was a lot of money, and he went to Picayune, and he put a new roof on my grandmother's house. All of her roof was leaking, and all of her family lived around her, but nobody, they owned car dealerships, everything. Nobody would fix her roof. But Daddy borrowed money, went over there, and we put it on in four days. And I thought back to that, that your days may be long. I even honor my children. You know, I raised them all, all five boys and a girl. They're all in the ministry, all six of them in the ministry with me. All married to godly girls. My daughter's married to a campus pastor. I'm just blessed. I got nine grandchildren, two more on the way. The rabbit farm is officially open, brothers, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm blessed. Since I was here 10 years ago, I mean, my, my family's just gone. We, we, you know, we're in multiplication right now. But I honor them. I don't walk in their house without knocking on the door and being invited in. I don't, I don't tell them what to do. We have to respect the next generation. You know, we, it's interesting. We send 19-year-olds to Iraq to fight and to call in air support, bomb cities, and they come home and we don't think they've got enough ability to set up chairs in the church. Well, see, I don't do that. I honor the next generation. My brothers that are older, you're like me, you're in your 60s, you're in your 70s, you're in your late 50s. Take a young man and affirm him and honor him. Watch what happens to his little marriage. We can change America. And I'm okay. here's the last one. I'm not looking at a clock. But I know inwardly it's time to land the plane. Honor everybody. It trickles all the way down to your neighbor. A Muslim moved in next door to me three years ago. The only Muslim in Baker. I live in a little town of Baker. The only Muslim there. He moved right next door to me. And immediately put up a six-foot fence and put tires all the way around the inside of it. The police started sending drones overhead. He's from Yemen. They thought, oh, we got us a real terrorist here in Baker now. He has two, two wives. They've got their kids in there. He wouldn't speak to anyone in the neighborhood. They all have the full everything on. No one could speak to them. No one could go inside their compound until the flood in August, Baton Rouge flooded, and his house got four feet of water in it. Mine did not flood. I was right across the yard. Unbelievable. His house got four feet of water, and we rescued him with my little, my little boat called Green Bean, my little boat. My sons went up. It blew the gates off, and they went in there and rescued him and his, his wives and his kids and everybody. We took them to high ground, and, and that was it. And a month or two goes by, and they stopped me. The, the lady did stop my wife and I and said, please, please, please come. We went inside and her lawnmower had sat under that four feet of water and it was dead completely. And her grass was so high, I think she lost two kids in the backyard the day before. <laughs> so 
Now, in about 15 minutes, a friend of mine got in there. We fixed it, had the thing running. You've never seen a Muslim woman so happy. She had on the full burqa deal, but she had on tennis shoes. She jumped on that lawnmower, made a big round about it, as happy as she could be. And then I noticed their air conditioner wasn't running. Oh, no, no, no. She says, it's, it's, it's broken, broken. So I called a friend of mine. He came and had her air conditioner fixed. Then, then I noticed there's no hot water. So we got a plumber in there, fixed the hot water, you know, about an hour little money we we had him up and going the man was gone I don't know where he was about two weeks later my phone rings and it was the lady and she called my husband wants to speak to you and he said to my wife I am your next door neighbor we thought he'd be furious he said I am so thankful for all you have done for me that costs money And I want to pay you back. You fixed everything at our home. Please, what did you say? We said, oh, no, 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 Mike. We we love you. We we want to be your friends. We, We want to be neighbors. We honor you. We love you. Everything has changed now. The gates are open. We go in and out. They're coming in and out to the neighborhood. Are you listening to me? We can change our nation, brothers. If we don't get honor, our nation is going to split as wide. You cannot believe what's coming 10 years from now if we don't get this word out. And it's got to start with you. You're going to have to honor people on airplanes. I honored them this morning flying up here. Everywhere I go, I give people the overhead space. I give them the space, whatever. I honor stewardesses. I honor. You can just do it everywhere you go. Just honor people that, that are working in an in a, in a aircraft lounge, picking up cups and stuff, and say, thank you, man. I honor you for doing that. And you won't believe we can change America. We can change our world. You want a relationship with God? Flip the switch. Would you close your eyes with me? Now, I don't know who's here. You all may be Jedi warrior Christians. I don't know. There may be some guys in here that say, you know what? I don't really have a relationship with God. Be honest. I came, you know, had some food. It was good. But really inside, I can't say that I have an honoring relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And you know what? If you'll honor what he did on the cross where he hung naked and was whipped and shed every drop of his blood to the ground. If you will come to that place and say, hmm, not that's nice, but thank you. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you. That's all you got to do to know God. It is not hard. And I'm going to look around this room right now. I, I just feel led that there are men in this room. If you die tonight in your sleep, you are not 100% sure that you would go to heaven. You're not. And you know that down in your heart. You say, well, I don't know that anybody knows that. No, I do. I, 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 Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm not perfect but I honor him. We have a relationship. And if you're here, sir, and and you say that, I am not sure I have that. I want every man to close your eyes, but I would like to include you in a prayer. You say, I want to turn this thing around. It's going to turn your marriage around. It's going to turn your business around. It's going to turn everything around. If you'll just turn the switch on and you would say with me, include me in that prayer. As I'm looking around from left to right, all over this room, here's what I want you to do. Quickly, without hesitation, 
I want you to slip up your hand right in your seat, hold it up high, and say, include me in that prayer. Do it. Do it right now. There, there, there. So many guys with their hands in the air. I knew that. I knew, in my hotel today, I knew there would be many men. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now, I want to ask if you will, everyone stand with me all across the room. In a moment, I'm going to invite Gabe back up, and he's going to close this out. But I want you to stand with me. I want your heads to be bowed. And I want you men that raised your hand, I want you to put your hand over your heart, right in your seat there. Just right in your seat. It don't matter if you're standing down here or wherever. You, you're the one who has to turn the switch on with God. He loves you. When the prodigal son came home, he turned the switch on. He honored his father again. His father came running. You don't have to worry about God's part. When he sees that switch is on in your heart and it's you're honoring him and you're coming home and you're saying, I have sinned and I forgive me, Father. I've sinned against heaven and earth. Trust me, he's going to forgive you. So you raise that hand or even if you didn't put your hand over your heart, right, as you, right there where you're standing. And all of us together as a great chorus of men, let's pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I honor you. You are a great God. You are my creator. And I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ, your only son, to taste sin and to taste death that I might be forgiven. Tonight I honor you, Jesus. Tonight I receive you, Jesus. Come into my life. Take over my business. Take over my family. Take over my neighborhood. Use me as a vessel of honor. I thank you for it. Now with your eyes closed, would you just, the Bible says that men should pray lifting up holy hands. That's 1 Timothy 2. Why don't you just do that? Make a funnel. You know, God... The universe is not able to contain his love. He's just looking for a, a spigot. He's looking for a channel. When you raise your hands, the Hebrews believe you touch the throne of God. They literally believe when Moses had his hands up and he raised them, that his hands touched the throne of God. You do that right now. Touch the throne of God. Thank you, Lord. We honor you tonight, Father, with our worship, with our prayer, with our giving with our marriages, with our family, with our parents, with our neighbors. We honor you. We pray for our president tonight, our governor of Colorado, the mayor of Colorado Springs, the chief of police. We pray for our military, Lord, our joint chiefs of staff, those that are our leaders. We pray for the Air Force Academy. We pray for judges in this city. We pray for racial unity in this city. We pray for a spirit of honor to come upon New Life Church, that it would be a lighthouse of honor. It would be a house of honor that all nations from around the world would gather because they feel honored in this place. Thank you for Brady. Thank you for how he is honoring every tribe and tongue and people and nation and we give you all the glory in Jesus name come on brothers put those hands together let's give God all the honor all the praise that was awesome. I love you brother.